0: Welcome to the podcast, Working with Children and Young People. It's hosted by me, Dr. Kay Calver. In each episode, I will be joined by a special guest to explore different career options relating to working with children and young people. We will also explore current issues facing the sector and offer top tips for achieving your desired career. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm joined by Emma Brooks to explore different routes into teaching. In this episode, we discuss undergraduate options and postgraduate options like a PGCE, skip, lead partners, teach now, teach first and future teaching scholars. So lots of different options out there. We discuss the differences in these routes and the key considerations when trying to decide which might be the best option for you. We also look at top tips for teacher training applications and interviews. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi Emma, um, thank you so much for agreeing to uh, come on to the podcast. So the focus of today's episode is about roots into teaching. So can you explain kind of who you are and what your role is? Yeah, and um, so I'm Emma
1: Brooks. I am the tutor for art and design and design technology on a PGc course uh, within a university. So I work closely in the teacher
0: education part of the university. And supported trainees through their teacher training great so we invited you on today to kind of talk about the various different routes that you can go into teaching so quite often people will say that they want to be a teacher but navigating the range of options is quite tricky so when we were talking about it we kind of broke it down into what you could do as kind of an undergraduate option and what you can kind of do as postgraduate options. So it might make sense to start off with the undergraduate options. So if I feel like I wanted to be a teacher, what, what are my options at that stage?
1: Yeah, no, that's really good. So obviously when you um, leave part 16 studying, you've done your A-levels, it's considering and sometimes it's quite early for people if they want to decide to go into teaching. Some people definitely know it's what they want to do. Um, and in that case, there is undergraduate courses that will combine your subjects. So, for, for example, if you had a passion for PE, for example, um, and you wanted to be a PE teacher, they will combine that over a three-year course. So, you can gain your degree and your teaching qualification at the same time. So, it's quite a nice balance and um, route into teaching. The same for primary so you can do the same thing for primary So you can learn about primary education Because primary is slightly different In terms of you're not really Focused on one subject You have quite a few subjects to teach when you're a primary teacher And um, But again it, You kind of learn about the development of children And how learning Happens along with How to teach aspects say uh, for English, maths All the subjects you will be expected to teach So that is another route. That's really great. If you, early on in your career, you're focused on wanting to be a teacher. There are some direct routes into teaching through undergraduate courses. And other things to consider though, are if there is other education courses. So sometimes we do get people that come into teaching, having undertaken educational courses in child development, for example, um that can still be used as a valid degree and relevant to you then transfer into teaching. So, you know, there are options to start your teaching career, whether it's to go straight into teaching once you're done in degree, or you can do a degree that's relevant in education that can support your route into teaching.
0: So if I'm kind of a student that's gone through kind of my A levels or kind of college education. And I'm now at that point that I want to go to university and I'm 100% certain I want to be a teacher. I'd be looking for courses that would be called, say, primary education with QTS, so that with the qualified teacher status. And that's
1: really important. So it's that QTS that enables you to be able to teach. So if you are looking to go direct into teaching through an undergraduate route, you must
0: make sure that the class offers QTS because that's what legally means that you can teach great but then as you say like actually to really know what you want to do can be quite tricky and I think there's a lot of pressure sometimes on knowing exactly what you want to do from quite an early age so as you say there are other options so and um, as of by colleague, you work in teacher education whereas I work on what we call like the non-QTS courses. So our courses are called things like education, education studies, early childhood education, or courses like special educational needs uh, or education with psychology, for example. And these courses don't have QTS, but kind of give you those three years to um, figure out what it is that you might like to do and then if you decide within those three years that, like, yes, I do want to be a teacher, then you can go on and gain your duties, yes, and your postgraduate options.
1: And that is a good route into education because sometimes, you know, we can be quite quick to find a career and mm-hmm. we've still got our own interests and development and learning to take place. So, it, you know, it's quite a nice way to enter into education sometime, having that undergraduate grounding first in an area that you're interested in. Yeah, before you commit, if it's
0: too soon. It's a hard decision. It is, yeah. And I think, you know, teaching is something that, you know, it's, it's quite, um, it's, a, it's an interesting profession. It's a very well-known profession. And I think it's something that a lot of people are encouraged to enter. But it is a, a hard job as well. So, you know, people need to be uh, confident that it is the right choice for them. So there are lots of different options there at that kind of undergraduate level. So if if someone's interested, they're looking for a course that has QTS status attached, or if they're not 100% sure or want to take that kind of broader kind of view of childhood youth, families, and the education system kind of in and outside of schools, looking at kind of associated topic areas. Um, If someone's listening and they've already... Uh, finished their undergraduate degree or they're currently on an undergraduate degree and have decided that they want to go into teaching what are some of the other options to now get that qualified teacher status
1: yeah so there are a few out there and obviously um the getting to teaching website can list and direct you that that's a definite first port of call for people to have a look at because there's opportunities to link with advisors that can really go through in detail all the different courses but the main one that is I would say is advertised the majority of the time is a a postgraduate certificate in education so it is a one year extra at university and it involves studying at master's level so there is some level seven content it's not a full master's but you get credits towards a master's Um, and it combines the theory of teaching and your teaching practice. Um, And every university that offer this, there's a requirement. So every university has to offer 120 days in placement combined with your studies at university. So most of them offer the same outcomes. Obviously, it's just cultures and areas that are different. So that would be your kind of PGCE route? Yeah. Um, And for a PGCE route, you do need to have um, a degree, a minimum of a 2 2. Some universities um, will insist that you have to have a 2 1. So it's important to have a look at their entry requirements. Um, and maths and English is also one of those things that you have to consider for secondary teaching. Um, however, if you want to do postgraduate for primary, you have to have English, maths, and science at GCSE level or an equivalency. So there is now opportunities for people to do equivalency tests um, which can support you in getting onto these courses as well which is commonly used now.
0: So say if I was a student and I'm going oh no I didn't pass my maths GCSE uh, would you say that you need to do that and have that passed before you apply? I would I would advise it in an
1: ideal world yes however some people Um, will apply get a place and then they sit in equivalency and manage pass it the the main thing is you need to pass it prior to starting the course so some people like to do it prior to applying so they have peace of mind and some people are on a time scale so they will do it whilst they've applied at the same time okay
0: so but it i suppose in terms of thinking about like timelines it's not absolutely imperative that they have it before they start applying, but it's something that they will need to have before they start the course.
1: Yeah, to, to actually start the course, you will have to have that qualification. And like I said, a PGC route. so you can do it for secondary education. You can also do it for primary education as well. So there's two different and um, in terms
0: of PGC. Okay, great. And then what else could I do if I was interested in going into teaching, but maybe I didn't feel like a PGC was right for me.
1: Yeah. So, and this is the thing really having a look out there and finding what's suitable for you because you're all comfortable with different ways of learning and what you're used to. And um, in terms of other options, you do have, and um, they're kind of called lead partners, uh, routes into teaching. And um, they're normally connected with a university so you will see some schools advertise that they do um, against teaching course and it will be affiliated with the university um, and they are our lead partner schools so part of the university we have schools and they they like ownership in the process of choosing their um, trainees that are going to come and work at the school because schools are communities um, and some schools like to have that option of Finding suitable people to join their institution, and um, so that is one route, and um, similar to a pgc but it's just advertised slightly differently. But it's essentially the same, so that can be a little bit confusing.
0: So, would you have the days in university still learning the theory and the content, but you are also in practice in the school? Yeah, it's
1: essentially the same as a PGCE. The only difference is is that school actually selects you, so. Instead of me interviewing you through the process, it would be the school that interviews you um, and they decide that they want you on the course. So they take ownership in that sense. But you get exactly the same content. So you get the same content from university. It's just that the school are more your key contact and they host you and look after you. So that that's kind of the difference. But it's the same offer. But some people like that, especially um For me personally, it's nice to know where your placement's going to be in the school that you're going to be working with um, and you can go and visit prior to that. So it gives you a little bit of an insight into the school that you are joining. As for a PGCE course, sometimes at university, you don't always know your placement until you start in September. So it's that culture and that familiarity with schools that you get prior. So that is another option, but essentially you will leave qualified with master's credits as well. It's just a different way of you.
0: <clears throat> Out of interest, with the PGCE, do you do your 120 days in one setting or do you do it across multiple settings?
1: Yeah, that's really great. I miss that. So two schools... We like people to have contrasting placements because um, the nature of education at every school is really different. And um, so it's good to see that contrast because then you can make a more appropriate choice for when you want to take on a full-time role and what type of school you want to be part of. Um, so there is two different placements. And um, sometimes people will offer um, a third placement so if you want a little bit more experience, you can arrange with your school to get a third placement. So we try and get you as um, the best
0: experience as possible in two contrasting schools. And then in comparison, if you were to do the lead partners route, because the school recruit you effectively... With that route, do you just stay in that one school or do you get the opportunity to go across different schools? No, you still they work with
1: the same system that the university does. So they will normally with the lead partners, they will put you in three. So you'll got two placements um, and and it will be a placement school within their partnerships of schools that they have connections with as well. So they've already got strong connections with schools, so they will choose one from their area ultimately
0: so you're still getting that kind of varied experience because i agree with you like going in and working in one school can be totally different to another school that's just 10 minutes down the road and you know the environment the kind of the leadership team all sorts of different factors can shape and influence um you know your enjoyment of that role uh, you know how well well, even down to the school days,
1: sometimes the school days can be really different. So some schools finish at three o'clock, some finish at four o'clock. And um, so there's all that. There's there's lots of little procedural differences as well in the schools, how they work. So it's really interesting. So it, that's why we really recommend that you have two contrasting placements. So you can really understand that every school is very different.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's the PGC route and the lead Partners route. Would there be any other options to choose? Yeah, so you can
1: choose a school-centred teacher training course, um, which are called Skit Courses. They tend to provide you with the same requirement as we do as PGCE, so it would be 120 days in placement. And normally, again, it's a little bit like the lead partners. They will select you, they will interview you, um, and you will know straight away that you've passed that school that you're joining. And um, the only difference is they don't always provide the PGC parts so of the theory side of things. So you will just get your QTS status in the subject or for secondary that you want to teach or for primary. Um, it get, it's just a QTS sometimes. So you won't have the theory. And necessarily, sometimes the subject content isn't as broad. However, it still means that you're qualified to teach. So, again, every route is very different. That route kind of, it's a route that I actually took where I was joined with the school and it was through that school I worked with them, got my QTS, got my teaching sorted for art and design. And it's just that you deal with the school direct.
0: Okay. So... Um, Again, within that one, do you just do your 120 days in that one school?
1: Yeah, Um, sometimes, so they will keep you in one school. Again, ideally, they will try where possible to give you two different placements. Um, I myself did two different placements. It just could be that the second placement is a little bit shorter, so you don't spend as long, whereas on our PGC, we split the two placements um, you have September to Christmas in one placement and then you do January to June in another placement. So for example, on a skip course, you might just do um, September to December in one placement and then you might do January, February, March in a, another placement and then go back to your original. So they may, it could be shorter amount in a second placement ultimately, but you'll still get that idea of contrasting placement. And again, it will
0: normally be a school that I have a connection with or part of a trust okay but something to maybe look at and consider when you're looking at the different options uh, and something to maybe even ask as part of the application process or interview just so that you can get a clear sense of how you'll be kind of yeah your time. Right.
1: Um, and the other thing that might be slightly different because you're being employed through a school directory it's always good to find out where they put their um lessons the where you do your learning about teaching practice because some will offer it in twilight sessions because you're expected to and um, be working contributing in the daytime to school and some will take one day out of the week for you to have that study time and so again skip course is a very the setup can be very different but these are things to consider in terms of work life balance how you want to manage it if you are okay with doing the evening class And the other differences as well is that they will tend to only offer it as a full time offer, whereas a university with PGC can potentially offer you a part time offer as well. So you do it over two years rather than one. Um, There's definitely things to consider, but it is, there's, I think there's more of a sense people feel like a a skip route is very hands on. You're in with the school straight away from the first day. and you're part of that environment, so you feel more connected to the school potentially.
0: And so, one thing to kind of cl- uh, clarify as well is: so with the PGCE, skit, and lead partners route, are any of those paid? So do you get paid to do that? So that you don't you don't get paid for PGCE
1: and lead partners. Skit courses vary, so there are salaried routes but they're very competitive and there's normally only a few of those available. And um, they're quite competitive to get onto. to. Um, and another thing with that maybe is to consider is, um, sometimes your prior experience can help support that. So if you've had an opportunity before applying for a skip course, if you've had an opportunity to work in a school or have some volunteering time, that will help support the application too, um, but generally, there are two in skit. You can have a salaried route or a non-salaried route. Okay. And because with the salaried route as well, um, because you are, you're you're only training, you're not actually a qualified teacher, it's not paired to teacher
0: scale. Okay. So um, definitely worth bearing in mind what, what the salary is. I think sometimes the temptation of a salary might feel quite appealing, yeah. but clarifying how much that is, yeah, uh, and whether it kind of out outweighs the other advantages and disadvantages in relation to the different routes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've got your PGCE, your lead partners, your skip. Any other options that people could go off and explore? So there are, um, so
1: for example, there are people that decide to do teaching after they've done uh, a career. So there's lots of opportunities for career changes. There's actually um groups that look after people that have come out of careers in the army for example and will help set up youth teaching and um, there is companies like future teaching scholars and um, and they kind of lead you through the process of becoming a teacher and um, and they focus on specific subjects and then they can be shorted subjects for for example some maths and sciences are your shortage subjects so to speak so they are some of them that help you get into teaching. And some of these uh, companies can offer salaried routes as well. So it definitely is worth having a look out there and seeing what companies offer teacher training to and how they can support you through it. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. If we didn't mention any other options, I can't remember now. Teach Now is another one. And um they do exactly the same so they're they're working recruiting teachers um and sometimes they're looking for specific ones so languages teachers so teach now look at languages computer science and maths as well so it's kind of they look for teachers where there's a shortage so they can be really helpful and supportive and you can get extra benefits Whereas I am an artist, so I w- I couldn't apply for it. But if you're a mathematician, there could be extra benefits going through that brief as well. Mm-hmm. And the other one was Teach First, which I haven't mentioned. I couldn't think of it. I had a blank minute there. Um, but Teach First is another route into teaching, which is quite common and one of the main ones. And Teach First is slightly different process. So you're actually partnered with a school where there's a low income social economic area and the idea is that you're putting there to improve the quality of education they look for very um, high level graduates so there is a little bit of competition in that sense and it's very hands-on so it's a very full-on course in terms of how you get to teaching so for example, some courses have a process where you gradually build up teaching practice and um, teach first is kind of, you get quite stuck in straight away. And that, again, that suits some people. I was that sort of person in terms of practice. I like to get straight in there and that's how I learn best. And um, So that is another option for people. It can be a little bit longer as sometimes in the sense of how long the course takes because they really develop you so it could be up to two years for some people. And what you think about as well is when you qualify for teaching, you've got ECT years, um, so that's your early career teaching years after that. And with Teach First, you normally um, stay within that school that have given you that opportunity to le- try to teach as well. So that, again, is another route, but it's more one of the more competitive routes.
0: So there's definitely lots of different routes and options available to people. So I suppose, first of all, it's deciding, is teaching right for me? Do I feel like I want to do teaching? And I think for me, when I'm talking to students, is the way you'll really get a sense of that is getting into a school, So trying to get as much experience as you can to see if this is a career that you want to pursue. Yeah, no, definitely that's the best way to know.
1: I mean, I'm not saying that you have to have experience. Some people um, don't necessarily have experience in school. They only have what they knew from their own personal experience or education, and that can be inspiring enough for people to want to teach. But I I definitely advise um, having a session, like a few weeks, even if it's like two or three weeks, um, in a school place that gives you an idea of culture, what happens and the day-to-day of how a teacher functions and um, I myself was a, a learning support assistant for two years before I came into teach training because I wanted to really make sure it was the right option for me and um, and that also helped support my knowledge going forward so I felt quite confident because I'd been in a school so there's things to consider before applying for teacher training there's no harm in taking a step back and having a little bit more experience too, um, it kind of boosts your confidence a bit coming into teacher education and some people like that challenge of coming in without much knowledge of it and they thrive in it. I'm a person that needed to definitely know and be hundred percent sure it was for me. Um, but it is, it's very interesting. Every day is very different. Um, it's challenging. You definitely have to build up resilience, but it's learning. And I think that's for me I'm a person that likes to learn and you continue learning every day
0: and then one of the other key considerations would be which age group do I want to work with because all of your kind of teacher training routes will be broken down into different age kind of categories in terms of what um what age group is your QTS linked to so if i kind of have this feeling that I I want to be a teacher, but not quite sure where I, what, what age group I want to associate with. What are my different options? So you, you have a few, and this is
1: something to maybe think about prior to application as well, because your courses will advertise for secondary or primary. So we have what we call different key stages. So the first thing is there are teaching courses out there for early years, what we call, so they're not five in age. So it's like in nursery and reception age of school. And um, so there will be courses that focus literally on that age range, which is nice, especially if you're more geared to work with a lot of younger children. So that would be one option. You've got your key stage one and key stage two, which is your primary years. So it ranges from like five to seven. And um, sometimes you get courses do five to seven and then seven to 11 that cover that primary phase of learning. Um, and then from that, you've got your key stage three and four. So that's your secondary students. So that's anywhere from um, where they're 11 till they're 16 when they do their GCSE courses. And then part of that is you've got the sixth form as well. So You've got the little bit extra post 16 courses on there as well that you can possibly teach. Some schools offer, you know, some schools only do up to GCSE, some offer a sixth form provision as well. Um, so if you wanted to be a secondary teacher, that's something that experience wise you can get from being on a secondary PGCE.
0: Okay, so yeah, definitely thinking about what age group that they'd prefer, um, and yeah kind of making sure that you kind of look at where you think your skills might lie I suppose with the with younger children or whether you're kind of more suited to you know teenagers um or even post-16 education um some of the guests in the podcast so far have been kind of sixth form teachers and then others have gone into primary and early years so there's a, a real variety depending on you know what people's areas of interest are um And then I suppose to touch on that, especially to do with more like secondary and post-16 is about specialisms. So quite often students will ask me, I'm really interested in being a secondary school teacher and I'd like to teach psychology or I'd like to teach health and social care. If people have got a real passion for a particular subject, what are some of kind of The kind of requirements, if you like, in terms of what would they need to study, and would they need to have any kind of previous learning or qualifications associated with
1: that? Yeah, no. So normally, um, you the one of the requirements when the admission team gets your application, they will look at your degree relevance to the subject. So, for example, when people apply for art and design, we have a lot of specialisms within there. So they could have done a photography degree. And they could have done um, an architecture degree, for example, but they can still qualify to be an art teacher and um, the same for English. So sometimes degrees are transferable. So you might've done a psychology degree, um, but you could teach English, for example, or you might want to teach science. So there is some transferable um, skills within the degree courses that you've chosen and. Um, advice would be though is to really think about what is the subject that you have the most passion for and seeing where your transferable skills are so sometimes courses there's not many courses that offer secondary psychology as a subject because in secondary school psychology is not one of those that are on the curriculum but it is when you get to sixth form for example so we do still like to look for teachers with that qualification so, we are, can be flexible in terms of how we see your degree and provide, and you can evidence that you've got transferable skills. That's usually enough to qualify on the course, and that's something that we can like discuss the interview process. So don't just think, oh, well, I haven't got a subject that is on the national curriculum. I can't teach secondary. Have a look and see where are your transferable skills, but ultimately. We obviously look for secondary. We've got the core subjects, so English, maths, and science. And you've got computing, design, technology, arts, music, RE, languages. There's a whole area that you can be specialist in, history. Um, and that's what we need, you know, at the moment, education. We want people in secondary school that are really passionate and interested in their areas' expertise and then to share that with students. So having that foundation is is really important part of teaching ultimately, we want you to share your passion. So that's one way to look at it. So subject is important. Whereas primary, you might have a passion for art and design. However, um, you are expected to teach across all subjects. Um, And it's slightly different because there's a, a lot, in terms of the national curriculum, the expectation is not quite the same as secondary so that they're raising the bar type things so you can provide and you've got maths gcse you're able to teach maths to a certain level which will be your okay care for primary and that's what counts so primary is slightly different but you can specialize you know primary schools need people that are interested in the arts are interested in science because um We look, primary school looks to have one specialist in one subject so that you can provide the best education. So it's a slightly different view perspective for primary and because you've got to teach all of them, but it's still good to have in mind. What is your core subject? What are you so passionate about?
0: Great. So hopefully that's been useful for people to kind of get an overview of the different options. People might still think, do you know what? I don't know what's right for me because there's a lot to consider lots of advantages and disadvantages to the different routes so I think definitely looking at the getting to teaching website but also remembering that people can go and talk to and um, the kind of their careers advice team on campus but also reaching out to staff in the teacher education department and just saying you know, kind of a conversation I'm thinking about this option this option you know can I talk can I talk that through with you And there'll be lots of people there that would be happy to help and support them to make the right decision happy to help get people into education and
1: um, and I think it's really important that you get a real good true picture of the courses as well and um, and really finding out you know some places offer days where you can speak to students that currently on the courses that's really helpful because you know you can have a true picture of what it's like to be on that course and what advantages the person can offer you etc so you know going out there there's lots of people that are happy to tell you exactly what it's like to be a teacher
0: yeah so if people are at that point then that they go yes this is for me and I've decided on the route that I want to take um would you say is the kind of key application advice in terms of how do you make yourself stand out as part of the application what do I need to do and what what would be your top tips for what I write or include?
1: Yeah, I think when we get applications, we look for the passion. So, you know, it's really important that if you're a teacher, you actually like work with children, and we want to see that come through in your application. And not just that, I really want to work with children, but why Why is it, what do you get not fulfilment? and do you want from it? Is there something you want to give to them? Is it sharing your passion? Um. And that's kind of what we want to see. The real reason and justification as to why you think teaching is for you and what what you've got to give in terms of skills and qualities is really nice. You know, having empathy and compassion is something that is a real key skill for education. So translating that in your application process is really helpful for us when we review them. Um, you know, experiences that you've had, whether that, Sometimes people haven't necessarily had a lot of experience in school, but they've got experiences where they support siblings as well. You know, so the idea of teaching people, it doesn't have to just be school related. So it's just think about times where you've had to lead people or show them and direct them. You know, anything like that is really helpful. It could be even from the job roles that you have. And believe it or not, a lot of people don't think about it, but you probably do show or teach somebody how to do something at some point. Um, so just expressing that through the application that's the main thing is why you want to teach and um, what you can bring to teaching and then thinking about the passion that you have for the subject I would say they are three key things that we look for in the personal statement so that's what you will be asked to write a little personal statement so we get a feel for you and what type of character you are prior to meeting you for the interview it's always really nice to get a sense of that and other things in terms of application process, you will need to have some references. So we always advise is to try and find out who you're going to use as a reference prior so you know they're reliable so that when the university is asked for them, they're able to send them straight away. So giving people the heads up is really helpful for you and makes that process a little bit smoother as well. And um, I think that's the main thing, your personal statement is, the one that we really like to read
0: yeah and it's it's a good kind of practice to maybe ask other people to read that through I think we sometimes find it quite hard to like sell ourselves and kind of talk about what we're good at um and as you say rather than just saying I like working with children explaining why you like working with them or uh, kind of giving specific examples kind of throughout the application to really kind of add that context um, and I suppose also getting someone else to read it through in terms of making sure that it's well expressed, well written, uh, well structured, and um, to make sure that there aren't any issues in terms of that. I think that's
1: exactly it. Just like you would if you have, um, when you applied for university, for example, or you've ever applied for a job, you know, there's that level of expectation of gra- grammatical uh, errors not being there. So just yeah getting someone else to help you with it is not a problem uh, most people i know i've had sometimes students in the past that have said um i'm thinking of applying can you help with applications and reading and i can point them in the direction to people that I can support with that so it's no problem if you don't have anybody that can read it you can always just ask anybody in education we can pass you on to someone that can help support you with that.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, isn't it? Because not everyone will have someone in their life to support them with applications, but there's lots of support there available um, in the community or in the universities um, to help them with that process. So, as you say, personal statement is kind of like the first step. And then, if you get through that process and are shortlisted for the interview, what would that kind of typically look like or involve?
1: Yeah, so it, it varies. And I'll be really honest, it does vary. So for example, we do um, an online interview process and we're very proud on it being a very friendly process because we just really want to get to know you and your suitability for the course. Um, Some places will ask you to present some things, so they want to get a sense of how you practically communicate as well. Um, And it won't always be to children. Sometimes it's just to the people that are interviewing you and sometimes it might be a small group of children so it is very different and so it's always good to ask sometimes is what is their interview process to find out because it's quite daunting i think everybody gets a bit nervous at interviews i still do and and when i went for teach trainer i i had to present um a piece of my subject knowledge to them and show them that i was able to communicate and it was only very short like a five minute but it's very scary thing to do so You know, there's opportunities there that you can practice and prepare. They will give you time to do that. Um, And there's no harm in asking for help and support to do that because obviously one of the main points is you're not a teacher yet. You don't know how to teach. Um, But it's that being proactive in trying to find out what can make it good, what can help you in terms of your communication presentation really helps. So
0: it is very different every way you go is very different and then as part of the interview can you give us a little insight into like what kind of questions might be asked but it would it be things about you know their previous experience would it be like scenario based what what is what's the aim of the interview what are you trying to like test or assess
1: yeah again it's it varies with different institutions but ultimately it's about why you want to teach, that would be the most common question, you know, why do you wanna teach now? You know, some people at career changers, we go, well, why didn't you want to teach earlier in your career? Why did you change your mind now? So there's kind of questions like that. That's a really important one. And um, again, why do you wanna teach the subject? You will have introduced that in your personal statement, but they'll want a bit more depth to it. And um, If it is for secondary, because there is a subject content to it, we just want to know that you know your subject, so that you've got the relevant qualifications that you can maybe demonstrate for art and design. I always like to see people's work and what their practice is um, and that gives you a good insight into their skills. So it's always about demonstrating your knowledge of your subjects as well. Um, and then other things to think about, education is quite focused on safeguarding So there's normally a safeguarding question. They want to know what you know about it, why it's important in education, because it is a big factor. We have people's children for most of the day and we've
0: got to make sure
1: they're safe in our care. So that's part of that process as well.
0: Yeah, and there's lots of free online learning actually around safeguarding. So if that's something that maybe people haven't covered as part of their course, um, I can include some links to do some online training just so that people feel really confident, but also might be able to evidence in their application that, well, I've done a safeguarding qualification um, and, you know, I can demonstrate my knowledge and understanding of that.
1: Yeah. And I I think that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, for me personally, when I interview people, I like to see what type of person they are because that's part of teaching. Every teacher is very individual. It's part of your personality drive and passion as well so we do like to see that side of you even though it's a tricky situation because most of the time people are very nervous so that's the main aim I would say we don't rate really, it's not a case of you not being suitable for teaching and we don't want you in, as a teacher it's how you can communicate that you really want to be a teacher and just we're not looking to catch anybody out in the process it's meant to be friendly we want inspiring people to come into our profession
0: lovely Thanks so much, Emma. I think that's provided a really good overview of different routes into teaching. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we finish? Um, I think just just I'm um, probably touched upon it before,
1: but it's just to think about obviously when you do go through teacher training, the we kind of see it as it's only your first step into that career. There is the next two years where you are still developing your practice and you know becoming a more confident teacher so I think some people feel that they come into teaching say so if they did a one-year course after and that's it they're a teacher and I think it's important to recognize that this process of becoming a teacher is a, a gradual thing it it's a process it takes time and um, and it's committing to lifelong learning ultimately at the end of it all
0: yeah and I think teaching is definitely one of those jobs that the learning never stops, you know, it's something that you'll be continuously doing um, different professional development training, but also that kind of reflection, observation. And there's always ways in which we can reflect on and improve practice. and, you know, whether you are doing your teacher training or you're in those um early qualified kind of teacher years, but, you know, ultimately even if you're in the job for 10 years, there's always ways in which we'll be kind of shaping and evolve as education changes as well.
1: And, and education is a great place to be because
0: there's so many potential opportunities
1: to grow and develop yourself. Like I say, I was a teacher for 14 years, now working higher education with still a little bit of teaching. Um, there's leadership opportunities. So it is, a, it is a great career where it changes. It doesn't just stay the
0: same. So it is a great career to be part of. Lovely. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I hope you found it informative and inspiring. Please share the podcast with others that you think might find this useful and feel free to connect with us on Instagram.